ask any survivor of abuse and they'll tell you, the healing journey is far from a predictable and linear one. There are no playbooks, no step-by-step programs, no one-fits-all processes for navigating the path of healing. But fortunately, there are tools and resources available to help you thrive. And it is my mission to make them more visible and accessible to you. This is your host, Jacqueline Tierney, and you are listening to the I Am Safe podcast, an educational space for those on the healing journey after spiritual trauma and abuse, where we talk about everything from legal truths to reclaiming your identity through personal expression and style, because you deserve beauty, agency, to know your rights, to thrive, not just survive, and to live a life with less fear and a lot more safety. Welcome to episode two, The Healing Power of Creativity. In this episode, we talk about healing trauma and meeting with grief through the path of creativity with artist Jennifer Price Davis and creative grief educator and heartist Kara L.C. Jones. Now, before we dive into this episode, we must address a quick and very necessary disclaimer because we do discuss sensitive material in this podcast. You, as the listener, understand and acknowledge that you are responsible for your own legal and medical care, treatment, and oversight. All of the content provided within this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the providing of medical advice and legal counsel and is not intended to be a substitute for independent professional judgment, advice, guidance, diagnosis, or treatment. And you as a listener of this podcast understand and acknowledge that you should always seek the advice of your licensed and qualified care practitioners and that you should never disregard or delay seeking professional counsel, treatment, or advice because of information contained in this podcast. Uh, If content in this episode feels triggering, we encourage you to stop listening and seek the care of those you trust. And when you are ready to return, um, we would love to have you do so. Okay, now that we have that covered, let's dive into today's episode. I wanted to create an episode around the healing power of creativity because it has truly been an anchor and a medicine for me on my healing journey And creativity allows us to feel and process and express ourselves when we don't have or know the proper or right uh, words or actions to take or how to articulate something, especially when we're moving through grief and we're feeling really vulnerable and we're afraid of messing up or being wrong or making a mistake. Creative expression can sometimes be viewed as frivolous, a waste of time, selfish, and self-absorbed. And creativity, imagination, and play are often looked down upon during times of crisis. In today's episode, we meet with Jennifer Price Davis, a primarily self-taught artist, Cleveland-based painter and writer, who holds an MA in art therapy counseling and whose work focuses primarily on black culture and what it means to exist in black bodies with an emphasis on black women and girls. And Kara L.C. Jones, a creative grief educator and heartist behind grief and creativity. 
Kara co-founded both the Creative Grief Studio and Kota Press. She's a Carnegie Mellon graduate who interned three years at Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood back in the day and has spent the last couple of decades exploring creative approaches to grief experiences, both death and non-death related. In this episode, we explore what grief is, how it shows up for us, and how to navigate our complex and layered relationship with it through creative expression, holding, and heart making. Let's go. Okay, okay, one more thing. I want to read to you Kara L.C. Jones' philosophy on grief, and this comes from her website, griefandcreativity.com. She says, there is no prescription for grief. There is no universal method for approaching our grief experiences. Grief is not a sickness to be healed. You are not broken because you experience grief. Rather, we are all human and mortal. Grief comes as a natural part of being alive. People we love die Things we cherish are lost. Animals who companion us die. Loss is part of being willing to love. So let's be creative in our skills for experiencing both love and loss. Welcome, Jennifer and Kara. Thank you so much for being here on the I Am Safe podcast. Uh, Let's first talk about grief. What is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, There may be times when we are on the healing journey and we meet with grief, and yet we may not even know that it is grief we are meeting with because sometimes grief can feel like thunder and it roars and it, you know, kind of overwhelms the body. And other times it can be very subtle, like a whisper. And these feelings and these experiencing experiences we are having can be unfamiliar to us. So how do we even know we are grieving? Good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. And such a good question. Um, I can jump in just to say that, one, I think it's a good question with such a um, big, big answer. I think that grief, as maybe I understood it, or just sort of intellectually, I think of grief as sort of a response to loss. Um, And at the same time, like you said, I think for me, experientially, grief is also like an awareness of, like that visceral awareness of maybe that space between what was and what is, or maybe that recognizing um, recognizing loss and awareness of loss and awareness of um maybe what never will be or never will be again, uh, never was. So I, I think so it sort of flows into your question about how do you know you're grieving? Um, 
I think I've had many times, whether it's um, like a loss in terms of like a death or a loss of like realizing, um, I guess one example now, I um, have been taking a lot of time to understand kind of American history and I have felt grief at the more I understand that what I thought was is not at all what was. And, um, and, and two, that it's not fixable. It's not like grief is like this space where you can't just put a bandaid or you can't say, Oh, well, let me fix that. Let me sew that up and let it, you know, it'll get better. You know, take two of these and call me in the morning. It's like this open, open space um, that encompasses so much. But I'm going to stop there and let Kara <laughs> speak to, to grief. Yeah, I mean, I echo all of that for sure. And, you know, my two sort of like initial thoughts around how do we know it's grief or what is grief? You know, throughout my work, I am constantly sort of begging all of us to expand our definitions of both grief and creativity. Um, and part of it is that maybe like coming out of our sort of modern Western medical compartmentalized, there's a codified number for every single thing uh, that grief is a death experience. And here are these stages or tasks. And if you complete these, then you get to be done. I'm not saying that's the way it works. I'm saying there's this prevalence, explicit or implicit in our lives that's, that indicates these things that don't let us expand the definition of grief to realize that grief is both death and non-death related. <laughs> it doesn't just happen after the death of a person. And it's, it, it, it looks different for every person. I mean, you can try to find common denominators so that uh, we can communicate about our grief experiences, but those five stages or these specific tasks are not going to apply to everybody. They just, it just doesn't work that way. And so part of expanding that definition, this is my sort of second thought that came up for me is that this is the space where we really get to practice <laughs> in our humanity that self-care is community care and community care is self-care. Because I think we, as individuals, are having these experiences, but oftentimes it's not until we come into communication in some kind of community, even if it's just a community with a coach or a friend, where we start talking about things that are happening to us and they respond in ways that make us uh, keep exploring or think differently about it. I've had this experience so many times in the last 20 years where people bring something to me and I'll say, you know, something in response like, oh, yeah, I've had a lot of shame come up around grief experiences too. And then they go, wait, this is a grief experience? <laughs> wait, I've never even thought of it that way. So just that community conversation, creative conversation, it gives them a permission space that they didn't even know they weren't giving themselves permission for 
Um, and then they start to define what grief is for them and how they want to creatively approach it. And um, so it's that interesting space of like uh, Yulanov writes in Madness and Creativity about how we're all individuals having these experiences, but we can't make our kin systems. Like we are individuals having these unique experiences, but it's always happening within community. It's always happening within a context um, that we can't get ourselves exempt from, be it white supremacy in our history books, you know, whatever the experience is that we're having, that's, that's bringing grief up for us. Absolutely. So speaking of community, um, Jen and Kara, together, you recently hosted an online program called Grief Camp, which is an art journaling experience where participants make space for their grief and make marks in response to it in community. Please tell us more about this. Sure. So Kara and I have known each other for a good while. Um, and I um, took the grief, um, grief, I'm gonna mess up the name Kara, the certification course um, <laughs> with Kara last year. And we had talked back and forth, I think, like, we knew that we wanted to work together sometime. So I literally messaged Kara, like, did you tell me something about grief camp? And she's like, um, I don't think so, basically. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is what, you know, we're kind of like, this must be what we're doing together then. It just sort of like um, popped up and we're like, okay, let's do this. And um, I just thought that for me, at least, um, it made sense for us to do it together and to create this experience. Um, again, because I had experienced Kara's work and it was, um so transformative i think because it does um expand perspectives of grief and and take off all of those kind of uh, boxes like grief is when somebody dies and you're sad about it like it was so beyond that that i and i felt like from my work um doing art journaling workshops or experiences i like to call them um I really like to open space for play and just making marks that don't really have to go anywhere. And I realized that the word play makes people feel like they can't bring grief. And so grief camp was like this place where, you know, you think about camp, it's like this exciting thing. And then you couple that with grief. It's like, you can be, you can have grief here. You can be a whole person in this space and sort of, tucked away, you know, virtually, it's online, but tucked away in a safe little space where everybody is going to welcome you and your whole experience. And that you can even make grief the center of what you talk about and nobody's going to walk away. Nobody's going to run away from you. Nobody's going to think that you're bringing the house down. You know, nobody's going to think that you just need to you know, fuck up, none of that. Like, this is where you can say, I am grieving, I am experiencing grief, and everybody's going to be like, welcome, you know, which is never happening. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that doesn't exist in too many places. Most people are like, oh, you know, and they kind of find a way to, to wiggle out of that conversation. So grief camp felt like, 
just like it, it had to happen. And it was just this great safe space to um, be with our grief. And I think that witnessing and being loved and supported and welcomed with, with your grief was like, to me, it felt like a really unique and necessary experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I had taken um, one of Jen's um, art journaling experiences um, last year or early this spring, maybe. And, um, but, you know, for me, naturally, I used it as a space to work grief stuff because that's just, that's just where my head is all the time. And so when she asked me about it, I, like, I could just see it, like, it just made sense. And, you know, whatever I'm doing, whether it's the certification program is through the Creative Brief Studio with a team of other people, or if I'm doing my individual work, which is not like, I sort of walk this line of at the studio, we're training, helping professionals. And then in my private practice, I'm working with people directly. So doing grief camp with Jen was another chance to facilitate this space where we're working with people directly, not, you know, once removed as helping professionals. And um, I love those spaces because they keep me energized and they keep surprising me. And I think, you know, I, I always am nervous going into either kind of those spaces, whatever the audience is, because I think to myself, like, I get a little scared leading into it. Like, is this too simplistic? Like, am I, you know, is this really gonna, like, are people really gonna respond to this? And then what surprises me continually and what keeps me energized is that Jen and I put out pretty simple prompt asking people what's invisible about your grief experience and what's visible uh -huh. and the myriad of responses like people responding from personal stuff from as professionals with photographs with marks in an art journal with you know like people just take it and make it their own and and the response just i love it i i love it it makes me keep wanting to do it because i keep seeing these spaces where nobody's asked that person in their whole life experience, let alone the specific grief experience, if they're dealing with something specific, no one's asked them these questions. Uh -huh. So when you ask, when you, did you ask that question in grief camp as well? Okay. Yeah. Yes. When you ask that question, what is invisible and visible about your grief? What came up from the participants? And then how did they express that through mark making and creativity? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm, I won't say anything too specific because we that it was a private group. We don't have permissions to share responses, but I will say the responses were extremely varied. Yeah. <laughs> um, some things that were invisible for some people were visible things for other people, um, yeah. depending on lots of factors. And then also their responses. Some people, um, you, you know, list making more than mark making some people mark making some people photography like an image spoke something to them um and that's something that really surprises me too i don't know if that you have that experience jen in your other um experience yeah. sessions but the the way people respond the the myriad of responses i'm always surprised by it like wow that person went there i never would have thought of going there so that right there that how people go there and you never would have thought of going there is probably every time somebody responds i'm like oh my gosh i had that's not at all kind of 
where I would have gone and it opens up and that's the community piece that I think after everything has to happen like community I think sometimes you need just that one-on-one you know but in community there's this opening like oh my gosh this is such a neat way to think about this or yeah I like you said Kara I feel that too you know I never thought about maybe um the shame I feel around grief sometimes even like in my own sharing or like you know like you after you do a few pages you start to see themes and it's like oh my gosh I didn't even realize that that was something um and and so to your to your question about one of our um prompts with the visible and invisible like we wrote well it was suggested people can really do what they want because I think to me, you, the, you've got to have the, the power or be empowered to do it the way that makes sense to you. So everything we put out is open for people to interpret um, and to do or not do, you know, it's, it's really a space where, um, because we have so many other spaces in our lives where it's sort of like prescribed or if you're not doing it right, then doing it this way, you're not doing it right. So we really don't um, operate from that perspective, but so the suggestion was to either like write with a white crayon. I use glue um, to write uh, words. I journal somewhere around here. But anyway, to write some words and then gent- let it dry and then gently go over those words with like a wash of paint, like watercolor or some thin um, acrylic. And so first you take a picture of it when it's written, but you can't see it. And that sort of symbolizes how these things are there, but they're not visible. Then when you wash over it, you see them come through. And just the process for me was like, wow, like actually seeing them come through sort of gave me that feeling of the ways in which maybe I carry things that people can't see and how wonderful it would be if they could somehow be revealed or how it feels to be seen in a way that's supportive and loving. Um, But there were these circles that came up. So as I was talking about the circles, I said something about encapsulating. And I was like, oh my gosh, these circles are capsules, (laughs) you know? And it was just like this moment of the unconscious becoming conscious and how maybe, and seeing how I process grief through that drawing. And like Kara said, I'm using myself as an example because we do, um say that we won't share other people's work in words without their permission so just giving you sort of a an example of how um i feel at the same time that i was able to sort of get to that those aha moments because of other people's sharing their process and and kind of opening me up to more possibility and um and you see that throughout the group how we kind of not influence each other like um that people start to take on other people's perspective perspectives but more like influence each other in a way that you're like i'm going to explore that i'm i felt something there i'm going to explore that and it's just like this beautiful safe place to do that and it doesn't have to be beautiful which takes off another layer of pressure that we can sometimes put on ourselves you know that's emphasized too, that this is not a product. Nobody's critiquing, you know, oh, that figure doesn't quite look like, you know, David, Michelangelo's David. <laughs> like nobody cares about that. It's just about 
process, the whole process. Yeah. Kara, do you want to add anything to that? No, I, I mean, I will just say the same prompt that Jen was talking about. Um, when I did it in, in my book too, I, it, it didn't work at first. I, I thought it was a failed experiment. Like I did the wash over and nothing became visible. And I was like, all right, it didn't work. So I shared that with the group that like, well, sometimes stuff doesn't work. And then I set my book down on this table back here and I was, you know, got to doing more businessy sort of work. And when I was finished with this, I turned around to do something to grab something. And I had a different perspective of the page and the light was hitting it from back here. And the reflection of the light actually made the words visible. So even though I, when looking at it directly, I was like, oh, this didn't work. I took, so then I took a second picture and I shared it as a, you know, a follow-up to my post in the group saying, well, sometimes it's just, you need a different perspective to see it, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, it, it can seem sort of silly and surface and it, but it's really not. That was like a really sort of profound moment for me. It's like, oh yeah, when I don't see anything, a lot of times it's because I'm, I got to turn it upside down or put, you know, <laughs> a different <laughs> reflection of light or something. Um, so yeah, just same as Jen, like this, just these beautiful moments of everyday experience. I love creativity because of what it reveals in the process of doing. Uh -huh. um, so I developed an exercise for myself that uses mark making in line. And I'm so excited to try this exercise that you both are talking about. Um, I used to just put pen to paper or pencil um, and close my eyes and I would process memories and emotions through, through that mark making. And I would just sit there and draw a line <laughs> and move through the experience and the line would capture the energy on the paper that was uh, representative of the emotions that I was feeling in that experience. And every time I, I look at these kind of, um, the results of this mark making and, and line work, I, to see where my body tends to clench or like where there's rage, like different line, different marks end up meaning different things. And it gives me a whole new perspective on the, the trauma and the memories and the experience that's lodged in my body. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, I actually really, I find most of the lines quite beautiful. So for me, it's also turned into an artistic practice that I want to pursue in, in a larger, on a larger scale. Um, yeah, that's, thank you so much for sharing that. That was really beautiful. I'd like to talk about, um, Jen, there's an experience that you call holding and Kara, in your work, you talk about heart making. What is holding and what is heart making? So I'll try to be quick. I'm so I'm verbose. <laughs> um, holding, I, one of these um, sessions, I was thinking of how doing this work in community and Kara and I in, in the journal, in the grief camp, in the other art journaling um, experiences I do, I participate daily to be. And, and so 
um, I'm not there just to sort of facilitate and watch over. And, you know, I'm, I'm like in it. I'm in it with everyone. And I had shared that not that healing is not necessarily a, a, a word that I resist. I resisted it for a while because after going through the art therapy counseling program, I did not want to even say healing. <laughs> like after, you know, after just like being in like entrenched in that in that space and those words for a while, I was kind of done. And so um, I love the thought of healing, but I thought holding felt like uh, healing sometimes makes me feel like putting things back together, but through grief, through through losses and realizations that are like life-changing, there's no putting it back together. I'm not going back to who I was before somebody I love died. I'm not going back to who I was before job stuff or, you know, friendships that don't exist anymore. That person is is somebody I remember. I'm not going back to that. And that's, it hurts, but there's also something really um, powerful and sort of being able to recognize that and also kind of put together the pieces that remain with all this new stuff, with like this community and, and learning to love in a different way or developing a level of compassion it sometimes comes out of the terrible thing or so, like some, I feel like I had shared in grief camp that exploring grief in this sort of concentrated way, I felt like looking at that person that I was before, some of those experiences that I had, or maybe it was in my journal. <laughs> I don't know. Now that I'm saying either in grief camp or in my journal I just realized that um who I was has given me the voice that I have now all those feelings and things that maybe didn't have words for yet I have this vocabulary because that me I spent some time with that me and I felt those losses and I let those things sort of be what they were and so holding to me is like like this new this new me this new sense of of life and existence that i have and not just because of me but because of the community of being together with people who are willing to be open and to share and like kara said take these simple prompts and just do this like amazing and complex and and thoughtful work i feel more whole having been through that experience and so i like that word holding because i don't know i just like feels it feels good it feels good in my mouth it feels good in my heart it feels good in my gut and so i like to say it <laughs> i like to make up words in general but that's why <laughs> i like that one <laughs> i love it and jenna you know no one will see it on the podcast but i love seeing you sort of dance when you say hold <laughs> sort of focus 
um, brought creativity to grief. And, and we had a child that died in 99. And so that's kind of where I, I sort of derailed from like being an artist or art making. And it, I started using creativity in this way that was about my heart. It was about, um, you know, uh, well, you kind of touched on this uh, about like externalizing. So like bringing those lines out that have different energies and shapes and movements and stuff. It was like it brought the grief, um, you know, external to me so that I could explore with it and I could sort of remake what felt like a broken heart. <laughs> I was actually making heart <laughs> um, in response to um, this, you know, the initial grief experience, but, you know, also then really quickly grief can do this. So when you have like a major grief experience, it sort of had these rippled implications in my life of um, a waking up or an awareness to uh, like grief is just a, it's just part of life. Like it's, it doesn't, I discovered really quickly those five stages weren't going to work for me in a linear way. And there was going to be closure and done like none of that made sense <laughs> in the chaos. And so the heart making involved revolved around for me, this ongoing making of a heart and incorporates art because that's just where I come from. But um, that's how I use it now. Art making, heart making, heart work. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I have a self-portraiture practice and certainly that has helped me kind of come back to myself and create maybe a, a more whole self mm -hmm. um, because I am not broken but it's yeah. allowed me to let go of the older pieces of the self that don't really serve me in this moment of time and it, it provides space for the new parts of myself that want to emerge mm -hmm. i think about it sometimes like decluttering you know like for for me initially like lots of people use that language of a broken heart and it didn't actually that didn't play out for me like i don't feel like grief broke me i mean it it it, it it shattered some things, you know, um, but it was almost like decluttering, like, okay, these things, I take these things out of my studio, put them in a bag, I take them to granny's attic, or I take them to the recycling center if they're magazines that have been cut up into a million pieces. It was sort of like that, like I was externalizing all of these different experiences and kind of sifting and sorting through them creatively about what, what still worked, what, what was I still going to try to use and what was I letting go in whatever way I was letting go of it. Um, and that really was a, um, a sort of a stand for me against closure and uh, sort of being broken or like it's an illness you cure or something. Uh -huh. So for someone who's just been through a, a traumatic experience, do you have any guidance um, or anything you'd want to say to them if they feel drawn to using creativity to help process and move through their grief. Where do they start? I would say lots and lots of grace and space for yourself. Yes. You know, be, be as tend as you can, as gently as you can. 
um, giving yourself whatever, you know, if you have some spaces of resistance, like write yourself an actual permission slip. <laughs> I have permission to, you know, whatever you need, like whatever it is that works for you to give yourself that grace and space. Um, uh -huh. um, you're, you're, you yourself are going to end up being the expert on how this works for you and what works. You can, you can explore other people people's offerings and books and resources and workshops. You can do all of that as practice, as part of the practice, but it, it's your practice. It's your, I, as a coach, have to ask lots of generative, curious questions because I can't possibly know. As much as I've done in 20 years and read in education, blah, 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 whatever, I can't know <laughs> for the person sitting in front of me, you know allow yourself to be that expert and explore and share. And uh -huh. mm -hmm. That's so beautiful, Kara. It's so true, especially that grace and space. Yeah. Like grace and space. That just feels so good to hear, doesn't it? <laughs> like, my shoulders <laughs> relax. It's like, oh, okay. And that is so, and I'm, I'm feeling Jeff well, to answer that question about somebody who's just like coming out of or experiencing trauma and that is such a tender space right and it's like so there's a part of me that wants to be so careful because I think on one hand it's like it's so easy to feel that part that like you're doing it wrong right like there's like a thing, like you said, there's tools or there's a book or there's something that I think about when I experience something that really got me not okay. And there's this part of me that just wants to be okay again. And so, you know, I guess that grace and space is huge. I think following, following your craving I don't craving I you know I think of craving you know you think of it as a clue but sometimes I think with creativity there's a craving like you talked about Jacqueline with your line I've seen your portraits that are just like stunning and I feel like some of that is like following a craving a, a, a need you might need to just like scribble out uh, with a pen and a notebook paper or maybe you it's a canvas and it's paint um, or paper and paint. I mean, it could be any mix of things. It could be that you already create things and you need to destroy some stuff. You know, I think like maybe, and maybe that's what I love about art journaling because it's like a safe place to create and destroy. Mm -hmm. You know, one beautiful thing about getting older is that I realize that sometimes I regret things that, <laughs> that I have undone that maybe... <laughs> So, you know, like a journal is a safe place to give yourself that sort of constructive, destructive space. Um, but dang, I mean, that grace and space, I think, is the biggest thing, just to be gentle. Gentle, rest, 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 rest. Doing nothing is its own form of creativity or um, regeneration. You know, I had the beginning of the summer I took more naps than I knew what to do you know but it was just and I felt this like I'm not doing anything and it's like that's exactly what you need to do and and sometimes 
the most creative thing we can do is sort of resist this um, way we've been sort of acculturated to be busy, to be active, um, to, to be in motion. And there's a podcast that I got this from uh, on NPR, it's NPR TED Hour or something, but the idea of like moving on, like you should be able to start moving on. But no, like don't, you don't have to be in that rush to, to move on. Um, and it, sometimes moving forward, is it's gonna be at your pace. And, and that's okay. And it's also okay if you're like, you need to get busy and you need to clean or you need to create because sometimes um, grief, I, I know, again, like I've had times where, um, like I, I reorganized our closet and I folded shirts and put them in color order. <laughs> I needed that. I needed to create that space. So just follow yourself. And like Kara said, grace and space is huge. Jen and Kara, thank you so much for being on the I Am Safe podcast. This episode has been so rich, beautiful in so many ways. And I just want to say, blessed be our uh, grace and space, and blessed be our grief, and blessed be the healing journey. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you. I want to extend major gratitudes to our guests today, Kara and Jennifer, and thank you so much to our listeners of the I Am Safe podcast. If you like our show and you want to know more, you can check out all the show notes and additional resources for I Am Safe at IamSafePodcast.com. Sign up there for our newsletter um, to get updates on new episodes and resources that are available. To find Jennifer Price Davis's work, go to www.jenniferpricedavis.com. This is where you can also find more information on attending grief camp. And to find more of Kara L.C. Jones' work, head on over to griefandcreativity.com. If you head to the freebie section on Kara's site, you can download a 40-page excerpt from the 1,000 Permissions book that shares the slips related to grief and also some other great freebies. Uh, Kara offers free prompt worksheets each month for her mailing list, so sign up for the first freebie worksheet as a way to get on the list and get a new prompt worksheet each month. All of this will also be included in the show notes below the podcast link on the website as well, IamSafePodcast.com. And last but not least, we would love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you hang out. And P.S., before we part, remember this. The future is infinite and it is yours. Signing off, Jay.